Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Go ahead and join me if you have your Bibles in uh, 1 Peter tonight, chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. And uh, I want to read just a couple of verses of Scripture that are very familiar to us, I'm sure. And uh, continue in our series on adversity and understanding adversity. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 with me in verse uh, number 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Look at verse 9. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. Now, now I want to highlight this, these next few words. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your, bre- in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, look, at, look at the screen for, for a moment. Look at this Bible verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You can, you can put, for that word devices, you can put strategy. Strategy. Okay? And, uh, and I want you to keep that in mind as we move on in our study tonight. We took notice to um, adversity uh, probably two weeks in a row, I guess, we, we kind of studied that out. And uh, we noticed how our Father uses adversity and the reasons why He uses adversity in our lives. You remember that? And here's what we said. We said this, sometimes the Lord uses adversity to grab the hold of our attention and draw us closer to Him. Because the life we live, the world we live in, it becomes pressing, right? And at times it just, it just kind of, it's distracting and it's attractive. And, uh, and God loves us too much to let us get that far away from Him. So what He does is he'll send a little affliction, he'll send a little adversity our way to try, to try to get our attention and draw us back to him, get us closer to him, right? The second reason we said is this, he uses adversity to prove his love, right? The uh, Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10, talks about, uh, chapter number 12, talks about chastisement and how God is our father and chastens us because he, he loves us. It's not punishment. It's correction, right? And it's proof of his love. And so sometimes, you know, God will allow, maybe even send some adversity into our lives, some unpleasant circumstances, as a way to not just draw us closer to him, but as a way to kind of correct us and guide us, you know, in the, in the way he has for us to go. And then finally, we said this. I gave you a third, uh, uh, third suggestion, and that is God uses adversity to encourage us to examine ourselves. Right? To do a, to do a thorough, thorough examination of what's going on inside of us. And have you ever done this? Have you ever, uh, have you ever taken that examination, come to find out there's something in you that you thought you had already gotten rid of? Ever happened to you? Hmm? Yeah. And God, God just trying to get us to that place where we reflect the image of his son Jesus. And so he uses adversity. Now, we, I think we all know what it is, but understanding it 
begins to help it work for our benefit. And so when God uses adversity, it's a positive tool in his children's lives to build us and to help develop us, right? But according to our text this evening, I want you to notice that the devil also uses adversity. But it's not to build us and it's not to help us. In fact, it's to destroy us, right? It's to hinder us. It's to trip us up. It's to serve as an obstacle, you know? And, uh, and that's what we read here in these passages of Scripture. His desire is to just knock us down. In fact, Jesus said this. Look at the screen, John 10, in verse number 10. He said, the thief cometh not but for to, to steal and kill and destroy. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. However, don't forget that the, the thief, the devil, uh, has a desire to devour you, right? He wants to devour your life. He wants to dev devour your family. He wants to devour your finances, your future. If he could, he would absolutely positively destroy you, right? And so we need to keep that in mind as we work through the idea of, of adversity. Peter reminds this, the devil seeks to devour. And Paul suggests in our text that he's got a strategy. He's got a plan, you know? Uh, he, he's working, you know, he, 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 he's not blinded by it. And Paul says this, it would be wise for us to understand his devices or the way he works. And, uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but, but the Bible teaches that the devil has a doctrine. You aware of that? In fact, he's got a doctrinal statement, you know? And it's important for us to, to come to understand what his uh, MO is, his method of operation is. Now, you know our, our theme for the year, it's everywhere, right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, which says, which says, Yeah, you go. Let's say it one more time, like it really you mean it, you know? It's kind of like, I'm going to kind of pull it out of you, ready? Finally, my brethren, be, and in the, yeah, put all the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wild. And we, we studied that out, right? And here's what we said about that. It's almost as if, you know, God supplies for us the Lord Jesus Christ to help us, you know, go through some of the situations we go through in life, the armor, right? And each piece of it represents the Lord Jesus Christ in some aspect. But Paul, Paul kind of takes it in a different direction. And Paul kind of says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11, he, he says we need to arm ourselves with knowledge, with knowledge, and the knowledge is this, understanding how the devil works, right? And so the best place, I think, to look would be in the book of Job. Join me there if you would. Job chapter number one, great text of Scripture. You know the story. We're not going to go uh, and go through the whole story of the book of Job here. But I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the devil's doctrinal statement. And if we can sum it up in a word or in a statement, I'll give it to you just a moment. But look at verse number eight. And the Lord said, I'm in chapter 1 of the book of Job, and the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. Look, look, what, the, look what the Lord says about Job. He's perfect. That word perfect is an indication of maturity, right? He's mature. Uh, not only that, he says this in, in verse number 8, he's upright. He's upright. So, now get this, the Lord says mm, to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He, he's an individual, he's a man that is mature and upright. That word upright, I think, means he's right with God. 
He's living a righteous life. He's doing the best he can to apply uh, the truth that he knows to his life. And, and he said this in that same verse, he fears God. He's not afraid of God. There's a big difference being, being afraid of God and fearing God, right? He fears God, meaning this, he doesn't want to do anything at all that would hurt God or his relationship with God. And so uh, the Lord says to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And then begins to just, you know, talk about this fellow in such a positive way. The last thing he said is this, he escheweth evil. evil. And I liken that too. He just lives a se separated life. He's sanctified and he's separated. You know, he's doing the best he can to honor God. But look at the rest of the text. Then, then sa Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for naught? Now, here comes the devil's doctrinal statement. Look at verse 10. He says this, Has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? You, you, you bless the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But, he says in verse 11, Put forth now uh, thine hand, put, now, put forth uh, thine hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse thee to thy face. Did you see what he says there? Huh? Let me sum up for you in a statement the devil's doctrine. Here it is. You ready? Adversity produces apostasy. Take that in for a second. Don't you look too excited. Adversity produces apostasy. All right, so what's adversity? Help me out now. Come on, I got to get you moving because you're making me nervous. What's adversity? Trials, troubles. To advance? Bring more problems. Yeah, you don't need more problems, do you? You got enough of them. I thought so. Yeah, kind of like me. All right, so adversity, troubles, trials, unpleasant circumstances, call it what you want, difficulty. The devil says, if you give an individual enough adversity, they will turn away from you. Right? Do you see that? So, so God says, now I need you to get this. God says mm, uh, to the devil, have you considered Job? He's mature. He's upright. He's sanctified. He's separated. And the devil says, mm, uh-huh. But if you, if you remove that hedge, the only, re the only reason he's that way is because you hedged him in and you're protecting him from all unpleasantry. However, if you send a little bit of adversity into his life, I promise you, he'll leave you. He'll depart from you. So that's the devil's doctrine. That's what he believes. He believes adversity produces apostasy. And here's, here's the fine print. You want the fine print? Here's what he says. No man will face adversity without eventually crumbling and blaming God. That's what he's saying. If you, if you allow me to uh, turn up the heat, if you allow me to pour it on, there's no man that won't turn around and blame you. Huh? Me and, me and brother, brother Henderson here were talking a little bit ago about, he asked me, he says, how's Mrs. Genizzi doing? I said, man, she's doing great. And uh, I said, she's really recovering well. And other than a little bit of pain, a little bit of weariness, she's doing tremendous for the surgery that she had. And he said this to me. He says, did you ever think about what it would be like to not have your spouse? You know? And I said, yeah. And the older, the longer you're married, and I think, Mary, you and Jim have been married 52 years. 
That's what he said anyway. She said, "Mm mm-hmm. That didn't sound real promising, Jim. She said, "Mm mm-hmm. So, but, uh, and then, and and so, and, and, and I was thinking about this. You know, when he had said that, you know, to me, I said this to him in return. He said, he said, wouldn't it be easier if we were maybe able to go first? And I said, yeah. And he laughed. I said, because I think women can cope better. You know, they have a better coping mechanism, you know? And I think my daughters would take better care of my wife than they would me. You know, they put me in some little garage and, you know, I'd be out there in the cold and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, but we both said this. Well, he said, and I agreed with him. He said, there are times when people get angry. You know, the spouse dies. And we were, we were referencing a, a couple of people we knew been married for a long time. And all of a sudden, the spouse dies, and, you know, people, they, they just turn around and blame God, and, you know, how could you take her from me? How could you take him from me? We've been married all these years, and, and, you know, now when I need him or her the most, you, are you with me? So let me say this, even though we like to say the devil is a liar, pay attention right here, every once in a while he tells the truth. Every once in a while he hits it, he hits it right on point. Huh? Not only that, but listen to this. He says this, no man will stay true to God if faced with, with adverse circumstances. So here's what the devil tries to promote. If God really loves his people, then he'll prevent them from suffering. Hello? Come on, man. We hear that all the time in our world, right? Why do children, why do babies die? You know, why, why, do, why do moms with, you know, four or five kids? Here's, a, here's Frankie Foley's uh, brother who's a pastor. Right? Danny Moore, four or five children, right? Wife, four or five children, you know, dies at 50, 59 years old. That's a young guy, right? You know? Hey, if, if God really loved his kids, wouldn't he prevent us, prevent us from pain, from suffering, from difficulty? Come on, man. I know, hey, listen, I'm a father, and, and I would love to be able to take away all the difficulty from my children. But you know what I've come to realize? Yeah, some of that difficulty has helped them become the people that they are, right? And so the devil's got this, you know, here's the truth of the matter. The Bible teaches this, now pay attention right here. The Bible teaches the just shall live by faith, right? So the devil says this, if God really loved you, you know, he would prevent all the difficulties from coming in your direction, But the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And carefully think about this. Faith is only faith when operating in contrast to our difficult circumstances. Right? Uh, When faith becomes apparent, it's no more faith. Right? Do you ever read Romans? Book of Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 24 says this. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why is he yet hope for? So the devil says this. You know, uh, and this is part of his doctrine. He promotes seeing is believing. But the Bible teaches the opposite, right? You know, and so he's got a doctrine. And he comes at, he comes at God and he says this, Job, the only reason Job, you know, serves you, and the only reason you're saying that about Job is because you've been so good to him and you've hedged him in. But if you allow adversity to come his way, I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to curse you to your face. Now, it wasn't true of Job, but it is true of some. Huh? But look how, Job, look how Job kind of refutes this. 
and I, I forgot I'm working, I'm working this, right? Uh, look how Job refutes this. Look in, in the text of Scripture. Go to verse number 20. Then Job arose, rent his man. You know the story, right? The devil cut loose on him and just tore him up. You remember that? Uh, messed with his family, his livestock, his wealth, and his health. Then Job, in verse 20, arose, he, he, he arises, rent, rents his mantle, shaves his head, fell down upon the ground, and cursed God. Is that what it says? Worship God. Huh? And here's what he said. I love this. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 21, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So the devil says, adversity produces apostasy. But Job said, mm, not all the time. Not all the time. And, you know, when he says in verse number 21, you know, the Lord gave, the Lord's taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's deep. Because can I, can I confess? Don't think less of me. Not that you think that much of me anyway. I love it when the Lord gives. How about you? I do. I love it. I love to be on the receiving end. But I'll be honest with you now, and I've been saved for a few years, I still don't enjoy, have a hard time with, when he takes. Huh? We, we're praying for, we're praying for uh, Michelle's dad, right? Saved, walks with God, great guy, 84, five years old, been around for a while, you know, he's uh, had cancer now. They're preparing for his departure, right? He's going he's gonna to exit the earth. He's going to enter into glory real soon. But guess what? Steve and Michelle still struggling with it. Huh? Right? Why? It's, it's just not easy. It's not easy. But the proper response, like Job says in verse number 21, blessed be the name of the Lord. So the devil said, if you send some adversity into Job's life, he's going to run from you. Mm, but Job didn't run from God. Job ran to God. Uh, the devil said, if you send some problems into his life, he, he's going he's to uh, turn from you. No, he didn't turn from God. He turned to God. Amen? And so Job refutes the devil's doctrine. And I'm so glad that he did. Because it gives us, it just gives us some hope. Isn't that right? So let me give you, let me give you something to take with you tonight. I want you to maybe, if you've got a pen, these might be some really good thoughts. And we'll give you some principles for, for victory. That's the story. Let me give you some truth to take with you tonight. You ready? I'll give you five quick thoughts. Here we go. Number one, the proof of God's love is a historical fact. Think about that. The proof of God's love is not sunshine and flowers. It's a historical fact. And you know what I would write next to that? I would write down this Bible verse, John chapter 3, verse 16. Are you with me? For God so loved the world that he gave is, that's a historical fact, right? So let, let me say it this way. Prosperity does not prove that God loves me. And adversity does not prove that God has left me. Why? I tell you why. Because, you know, the proof of God's love is a fact. It's a historical fact that we have to anchor our soul into. Don't you agree? I'm going to give you just a sneak preview. Sunday morning, we're going to talk a little bit about, about the heart of God. In fact, we're going to talk about 1 John chapter number 3 and 4. 
It's all about love, right? And I love chapter 3, verse number 11, where it says, and this is the message from the beginning, and it talks about God's love, where he says, and this is the message from the beginning, that you love one another. Huh? That's not just a New Testament thing, Bob. God's been preaching that from the very beginning, you know, about, about his love. And then he says this. I love chapter number 4, where he says this, and God is love, right? You know the re- do you know the reason why God loves us? Because we're lovable. I mean, look at us. Come on, man, right? <laughs> you know? No, the reason he loves us is because he can't do anything but. God is love. And the proof of it is a historical fact, no matter what the devil says. So the devil says, adversity will produce apostasy. If you send enough trouble into, into these kids' lives, I'll guarantee you they'll turn from you. Huh? But the principles of victory says this. First and foremost, God's love is a fact. Sunshine and flowers doesn't prove that God loves me. Here's the second one. You ready? Light trumps darkness, and I don't mean Donald. Light trumps darkness. Another way to say that is this, don't doubt in the darkness what God has revealed in the light. Huh? Right? You've heard that before, haven't you? Don't doubt in the darkness what God has revealed in the light. The darkness there, troubles, trials, difficulties, adversity, is going to come your way. It's just the way it is. I was talking to a preacher friend today, Kevin, about a young man who is uh, looking to pastor a church. And I said this to my preacher friend, because there's a lot of circumstances involved in this, and I, and I feel as if he's kind of being nudged, pushed, and, and it's okay if it's God's will. But I remember what my pastor said to me back in 1987. You know, I was, I was training for the ministry, and opportunities would pop up, and I would get a call from this place and that place, and I was, I was a youth pastor at that time. And I remember him saying this to me, uh, and it was great counsel. He said, you need to be absolutely positively sure that it's God's will because when the hard times come, the one thing you do not want to doubt is if whether or not you should be there. In other words, what he was saying is, you don't want to doubt in the darkness what God has revealed in the light. And I'll never forget when I got a call to go and preach at this church to fill in for the pastor. And the pastor asked me if I could fill, asked my pastor if I could fill in Sunday morning and Sunday night. And my pastor asked me, I said, yeah, I'd love to go do it. And I went to this church, preached Sunday morning, preached Sunday night. Next day, went back to work at the church. Pastor said to me, hey, how'd it go? I said, oh, it went really good. Good, good group of people. He said, you enjoy it? I said, yeah, I got to preach. What's not to enjoy? And that was it. I went back to serving the Lord. Well, about a week and a half later, pastor called me into his office, and he said, guess what? I said, what? He said, that pastor's resigning and nominated you to be the pastor. (laughs) What? What? you got to be kidding me, man. You set me up. (laughs) You know? Set me up, man. And that's, that's when he began to say to me, now, I need you to go, and I need you to really pray this thing through. He said, because you need to be absolutely positive that God is leading you to do this because if the hard times come, and they will, you don't want to doubt that God called you there. And my, my wife and I, we prayed about it. Can I tell you what Mrs. Genizzi said? We went home. That was on a Sunday, Bob. Now, you know my, my wife, and you appreciate my wife, and you know how serious about the Lord she is. 
And so that was on a Sunday night. Man, the, the ride home from church, Craig, was very quiet, you know. And so we got home. We didn't say much to each other, you know, did the Sunday night kind of thing, whatever that is, and went to bed. Next morning, got up and do my devotions. She's doing her devotions. I remember, I remember as plain as day, I walked out of the bedroom where I was doing my devotions. My wife was at the kitchen table, uh, at the dining room table, doing her devotions. And, uh, and I walked out, and I was, I was still kind of, you know, tiptoeing, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't sure about all this. But God gave me a Bible verse that morning. I promise you he did. In 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 9, God has not called us according to his works, but according to his mercy, according to his grace. And God was saying to me this, you don't have to do it. I'm going to do it through you. Just show up. And I said, I can show up. And so I walked out, and man, you know, I had that in my heart, so little intrepidation. And I said to my wife, I promise you, I looked at her. She was sitting there at the table, Kristen. I said to Don, I said, so what do you think? She said this. She said, do you think you can do it? <laughs> I said, thanks for that. And I turned around, went back to praying. And do you think you can do it? <clears throat> no, she's a great wife. And she wanted to make sure that I believed that God was calling us to do it. Because soon thereafter, I guarantee you this, my preacher was right. Soon thereafter, I took that church. And man, I mean, problem after problem after problem. It was a first-generation church. You know what that means? Help me with that. All new converts. And guess what they were saved from? Catholicism. So they thought I was their priest. Huh? And they wanted to confess every known sin to me. And, you know, and they wanted me, I mean, it was, it was a tough minute. First generation, let me add this to it, Baptist church. I mean, a 20th generation Baptist church is, is a crazy place to pastor. But a first generation Baptist church, they didn't know up from down, and everything became a legalistic rope around the neck. Huh? If I got, listen, if I got them reading their Bible, then every person that walked into the door of that church, they went and said, you need to read your Bible every day. That's how legalistic they were. So I was going through it, but the one thing I needed to make sure that I was certain of is God, God called me here. God called me here. Do not doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light. Amen? Because adversity will produce apostasy if you're not absolutely positive that you're you're deep in the Lord, right? Here's the third thing. Number three, a storm to some is a refreshing rain to others. You think about that, huh? Uh, it all comes down to perspective, how you look at things, right? Isn't that right? Perspective. And, you know, we need rain to survive, and we need rain to see growth in our lives, and that's just sometimes the, the difficulties that come our way. I love sunshine. I really do. I loved living in Florida. Every day you wake up, and I mean, almost every day of the year, it's sunny, you know? Uh, love that. However, you know this. You need rain for the grass to grow and the flowers to grow, and we need some rain in our lives as well. Here's another one. Try to reflect and not react. Reflection does more good than reaction does. So you're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. It's going to come your way. The devil wants uh, you and I to merely react to our circumstances, but the Lord would have us to reflect contemplate. Isn't that what Job does? You read through the book of Job? That's exactly what he does. He reflects. He contemplates. And he's a great example of that truth. And then finally, reflection can change the view of your circumstances, right? You sit back, you contemplate, you reflect, you get God in on it, and it has a way of changing your perspective 
as to what you're going through. Say amen right there. Let me give you a Bible on that. James chapter number one. You know, James speaking to the brethren, right? My brethren, kind of all joy, kind of joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, the trying your faith worketh patience, right? So if you just if you just let it work, you know, just contemplate, reflect, let it work. It'll change your perspective. Let patience have her perfect work, that you might be entire perfect, he says. Wanting nothing, needing nothing, you know, being content with such as you have. So God wants to bring us to, into a deeper, more mature relationship with him. How does he do it? Adversity. He uses adversity in our lives, right? Sometimes just to get our attention, draw us closer. Sometimes, you know, to, to correct us, you know, he has to chide us, chasten us. Sometimes it causes us to, you know, evaluate what's going on inside, you know. I'm saying one thing, doing another thing, right? The, the things that I, I know are right to do, I love what Paul says. The things that I know are right to do, I don't do. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And you know what he said about himself? Oh, wretched man that I am. You know how we would say, I'm a mess. I'm a mess, man. You know, I know better. I know what I should. I know I should be reading my Bible every day. I know I should attend church as often as I can. I know I ought to make things a more matter of a prayer. I'm a mess. Because as soon as the difficulty comes, I want to flee. You know, I want to run from it. I want to just, ah, it's not worth it. I don't need this. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like John the Baptist, just one preach, you know, just shouting in the wilderness. Huh? We all go through that, don't we? Right? And so God... God wants to bring us into a deeper, more mature relationship with him. You know, life is full of, 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 of adverse times, the ups and the downs. And what he wants to try to do is just to get us to live more consistently, you know, on, on a good level, on a good plane. You, you, you ever read the words of Moses when he described the promised land to the children of Israel? Do you know how he described it? Anybody? Here's how he describes it to the, to the Israelites. It's a land with hills and valleys. Huh? Hills and valleys, right? And that's the Christian life. There's hills and then there's valleys, right? I remember reading many, many years ago out of Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, a devotional uh, on how he has built us to live in the valley. Did you ever read my utmost for his highest? It's a great devotion book. And, and how we're, we're not made, pay attention right here, we're not made, God didn't build us for the mountaintop, he built us for the valley. Life is lived in the valley. Huh? And what he wants us to do, you know, instead of being like this in our Christian life, you know, up and down, and who knows how you're going to find him, he wants us to build a level of consistency. And that's what happens when you walk by faith. When you walk by faith. Life's ups and downs shouldn't cause us to doubt the goodness of God. Isn't that right? Huh? Did you, ever, did, you ever sing, did you ever sing the hymn, The Love of God? Listen to this one, this one stanza. It says this, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. That's our, that's our God. That's our Father. Amen? And adversity is just a part of life that we have to come to a place where 
we understand it. You know, we understand what God is trying to do. We understand what the devil is trying to do, and we just grow through it. It helps us to, to get deeper in our faith. It helps us to become more active, engaged in our faith. And I think ultimately God is glorified through it. Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.